Different Gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Richard Miller, and my co-host is completely astonished that his months and months of touring the country and dancing to the YMCA hasn't seen him elected Mayor of Calgary. Dr. Luke Bledall, how are you doing today, Luke? <laughs> Very good. How are you, Rich? I'm good. All that sass and uh, the votes didn't come in for you. I didn't know. I need a... I need a better model than uh, dancing to YMCA and uh, dancing like I'm wanking people off, basically. <laughs> you know what they say, wank like nobody's watching. <laughs> oh, It works um, on so many levels. Or maybe it doesn't. I'm, I'm sure, you know, this is fitting content for uh, leading us into a, a plug from the network. This is the sort of thing that they like to have their product associated with. So um, anything from uh, from the folks at Owlers and Prime? Yes. And actually, it's incredibly well timed for to do with this uh, as we come into this um, election period. And it's still obviously bundling along as it kind of goes. But uh Yes, this well-timed piece of television fantasy following the US election with House of Yellow Cards. Ever wondered how suave, cockney, bad egg Sam Hutchinson rose through the ranks of Parliament? Well, House of Yellow Cards tells us the gritty and compelling narrative to his crooked rise to para- power. Watches his bad boy charm breaks the fourth wall to tell us his devious schemes. And this time he isn't breaking the fourth wall with one of his late thunderous old school challenges. <laughs> It turns out the crocked defensive midfield maestro hasn't lost a yard of pace in the secret rooms of governmental headquarters, and he has the right attributes for maiming his scepter-jaring opponents with a heavy challenge to put them out of business. House of Yellow Cards. <laughs> oh, th- some of those moments where he turns to camera and goes, this plum doesn't know I'm about to do him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's my favorite. I'm really glad you know, that was... From the screener that Rich and I received, I'm really glad you put that piece because that was that was a real peach. <laughs> oh dear. Um, well, I think we should probably just whisk ourselves along to breaking hoo hoos. Because it's been a big week, Luke. It's been a big week. I, I, was go- I think I just said to you just before we started recording, Rich, it's been a real Craig David seven days. Hasn't it? Sheffield Wednesday Football Club. Yes, uh, but in terms of Sheffield Wednesday, sort of, you'd want to sort of scale up the order of, of of events, and unfortunately, they happened the other way around. So it's sort of like if Craig David had spent three successive nights with the woman and then took her for a drink and learnt her name. Uh, so it's it's a bit different, but I think we've got to stick with the the order of events and talk about mm. the Bournemouth game first, even though it's <laughs> it's sort of. It's significant. It was mm-hmm. you know, um, a very favourable I mean, result. It's the game was that all Wednesdays are saying did happen. It, yeah. Um, Journalists were there and everything. Yeah, exactly. We, we watched it. We watched the game. We had eyes on on yeah on the footage. It happened. No mm. drones this time. No. <laughs> so um, I think probably fair to say. Most Wednesday fans approaching approaching that game ahead of time with a bit of worry, a bit of doubt, and maybe a bit of dread in the stomach. Mm. Uh, 
having been on such a terrible run in form to then play a club that many expect to be right up there in terms of the promotion conversation felt like <laughs> really it felt like it was going to be just another sort of sickening blow on top of everything else uh but i think that's that's a weird thing because i felt i i kind of looked at this as like the ketamine of sheffield wednesday games but without the high you know there's just this absence of feeling or emotion just this complete detachments so i i watched it and maybe that's just more about me but i I wonder if you say sickening blow, but I feel that kind of talks about, oh, I didn't expect this to happen. I didn't expect my, you know, my best friend to kick me square in the balls just without any warning, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, this felt like we'd seen four d- successive defeats against debatably, well, for at least half of that, I'd say debatably worse opposition than... Bournemouth, or at least three quarters. I however way you want to chop up that pie. Yeah, um, it's you know we shouldn't really be coming into that game against a team that was undefeated, expecting anything at all, really. So I no, just no, yeah. kind of watched it just just with a very one kind of lack of expression on my face, just being like, whatever happens, I'll just see what this is, you know. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I think I, I, I suppose I, I was in terms of the the another another sort of sickening blow. I was sort of imagining it, you know, a bit of kind of um, Hollywood violence uh, in the style of. I, I, for some reason, I can't picture an alternative scene, and it doesn't fit with the narrative of Hollywood at all. But uh, like in Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels, where Vinnie Jones is like smashing the head of that. Mm. maybe his son or somebody else uh with the car door and like the camera sort of pans away and it almost sort of fades away that's almost what i was imagining like bournemouth landing another kick in our crown jewels um as as we are already passed out and you know unable to to feel it because it's been so terrible so unrelentingly terrible but uh being chef of wednesday this happened to be the game we actually turned up and played a part in Mm. (laughs) A much more sensible-looking sort of back line of Palmer reinstated to that right-sided centre-back role, which we've liked him in previously. Mm. Um, Iorfa and uh, and Burnham making up the other two in that that defensive three, um, and that was, I mean, that was the original partnership that seemed to work quite well uh, in terms of the three at the back. So it was, it was nice to see that reinstated, and and I think it it really worked a charm by and large. Um, so in terms of the game, I don't think it was filled with incident. I don't think we... <laughs> I'm disappointed I get the chance to interrupt you, Rich, and be like, there's so many incidents to talk about. You kind of forget forget where to start or which one to look at first. Okay, well, I'll let you... No, I was being sarcastic. <laughs> I was but, being but it was, I think it was one of these where like, the, ge- ge- the general feel watching the game was that this was mm. much, much better. We just... We looked like we wanted to be there. We were taking an active part in the game. Um, and, and and once again, we were sort of in this position of, by and large, probably being the better team of the two. Uh, not to say that they weren't without their qualities, but I think on the balance of play, again, we were in this sort of 55, 45, maybe 52, 48, but slightly favouring Wednesday, slightly better, probably the slightly better of the chances. Um, and 
given that we've we've really had successive terrible terrible games then this this was a very pleasant surprise <laughs> to yeah. be playing arguably the best team we've played in the last five games and be giving our best performance uh so the only wednesday trope well the several wednesday tropes <laughs> one doing the completely unexpected thing at the at the weirdest time to do it and two playing up to our opponent's level uh having sunk to our opponent's level previously mm-hmm. um so i mean what were you did you have sort of particular sort of takeaways from the game or um, um well i i don't know it's we're in i i try and come and do like a, a i try and make this kind of as interesting as entertaining as i can but i'm finding talking about wednesday right now in this period of lockdown football we talked about this last week how it's very fin gruel because it's there's not much there's not much in the way of drama without the fans to kind of mark any kind of yeah. any happening so the games are pretty anonymous like i i you know you said the best performance of the last five games um yeah that's true but i mean it doesn't it's still a pretty average performance from us all around i mean it's better than being below average it's better than being poor it's I sort really, of like saying this is the most exciting shade of beige. Pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. It's You've looked over the colour swatches for the shades of beige to paint your house with, and this is the best one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ball, Bournemouth were just terrible, I really want to say. I just a really, really poor performance from them. Just uh, They looked everything that I, that I expected in my preseason predictions. That looked about as bad as I thought Bournemouth would be, and yet... They seem to outside of that have done pretty well considering, and I think they think they won today. I believe. Yes, I think so too. Um, I will double check, but I'm I'm pretty sure that was the case. Yeah. So. Yeah, but be Birmingham three one. Yeah, but I, you know, it's interesting. I mean, we've the typically the opposition have been half decent in all our games apart from this, and I'd probably say Cardiff, who looked like they never really got going, but. I don't know. It always seems like a thing. Like we always know. It it just seems our kind of fortune that every time a team turns up, typically in kind of Sheffield Wednesday history with Gary Monk, we're probably expecting the team, the other team, to turn up. Sometimes, unfortunately, more so than we turn up. Mm. But I mean, I'd I'd take this every week if we could be as kind of average as that <laughs> and still grind out a, a clean sheet and a win. Really, I'd take that every week, but I know it's not going to happen. It's a rare thing that's going to happen. Well, I think, yeah, I think it's hard to settle yourself to that because, well, well, this is sort of jumping ahead, but towards the end of the game, we were talking, you know, conversing throughout. And the problem is, it's not just, oh, on the balance of play, we'll get it, we'll, we'll win. Similar to today's game, it's actually. <laughs> It takes a freak occurrence for us to get a goal. Like they're mm. just, uh, they, I, I'd say less so with the the game against Millwall, which you know obviously we'll get to in in time. Uh, but we would never. I mean, outside of getting a penalty, we could have played that game three times and never scored. Yeah, we yeah. were so remarkably unthreatening. Sure, but I I I still kind of expect that. I don't know. Maybe I. Knowing that it's going to be, you know, a season of fine margins, if we still stick and persevere with Gary Monk and the squad that we have, is it? I kind of weirdly expect more moments of quality 
and that was a real moment of quality. But it felt like we'd been waiting a long time for that. I mean, you know, we what well, we we'd scored once in the last four games before that. But that, the last four I, losses. I just think I don't think it's. I don't think it will work. In, the, in fact, we know it doesn't work. We've had. We, yeah. We, yeah. We've we've done this now for the best part of the year. We've been a bad Gary Monk side longer than we've been a good Gary Monk. We were ever a good Gary Monk side, and mm. it's. I mean, I'm looking back at the messages we were exchanging. It, soul destroying was a word that was used early on in that game. It, it's remarkably <laughs> tedious to watch, and so it's sort of mind numbing tedium. And the not only the hope, but the the absolute reliance on a freak incident that will only happen one every ten games. Right. Yeah. Goal. It's not good enough. No. And it will not be enough to save us. I I don't count the Millwall performance quite so much because I think we we made chances and perhaps didn't have the right personnel or didn't quite show enough quality in those moments, but. The the Bournemouth game, I mean, g- genuinely, if if the ref had not given us that, it would have we would have been lucky. The only thing we could have hoped for was a nil nil if he hadn't been given a penalty. Should and I do appreciate the... that came from a moment of it was a good move from Windass. Actually, that, a move and that was a brilliant pulled off a couple of times from Bannon as and well. a beautiful ball from Bannon. Yes, yeah, so well spotted, ec- brilliantly executed. So I appreciate that. In a way, it's quality that inspires the freak moment. Mm. But unfortunately, such is the quality of our forward line. What's more likely to happen more often than not is that Windass will not be fouled and he will won't take that chance. Yeah, that's the he'll, he'll kind of he'll nesh out of the opportunity effectively because he had he had good Which... opportunities today. Kachunga had good opportunities today, and yeah. They're almost looking around for somebody else to pass to so they don't have to take the shot. Yeah. They're kind of looking to just kind of like a hot potato, just kind of chuck chuck the responsibility of that opportunity away to somebody else. So, yeah. you know, they're flinching at the possibility of doing something good, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. They're, Can they're... we talk about the one thing I want to bring up from the penalty? So please. I, I don't think anyone else has said this, and I just want to put this out there. It's it's all s- small beans and immaterial, but it, it kind of it's it's a real it's something stuck in my teeth here. I just want to get it out. Um, <laughs> I I could have sworn that Windass was fouled by Begovic. I agree. I don't think I don't. I thought Cook was unlucky because I, I think he he made the sort of merest of touches. But yeah, you're right. I think Begovic tripped him. Begovic missed clipped, missed the ball and tripped him. Yeah, uh, that's why he went over. Yeah, because I, I originally thought he just got very lucky to get given that penalty. And if the ref thought that the the, the aggressor was um, was Cook, then we were lucky to get it because the ref saw that wrong. He could just have easily seen it wrong and not given us a foul. Um, but yeah, you're you're absolutely right. It was the goalkeeper that 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 fouled him. I I, I agree with that, uh, having watched it back sort of several times. Yeah, um, and I I still don't. I mean, I feel a little bit more, a little bit easier to see was on the other end of this as opposed to Lee's dropping a bollock away at away at New York, you mm. know, the other week. But um, I I still don't fully understand. I thought double jeopardy was a thing. But it's all about making a genuine op. Attempt to get the ball, so you can't just hoik someone down in the box. If you are going for, if you have a genuine 
chance of winning the ball and make a genuine attempt at a tackle and the player does right. through some bit of skill or speed beats you, then you will get a yellow card. You won't receive a red card despite right. the denied them a goal-scoring opportunity. Sure. But both Tom Lees and Cook, I mean, so, well, we know. I, I would say Cook barely touched Windass. Yes, I, I almost <laughs> felt that, like, Cook actually flinched away from Windass. But you can't argue what he... So what the ref judged him to do is from behind grab him and put and push him to the floor and that is nothing to do with trying to win the football so Begovic if that foul had been given I would expect to get a yellow card because he's gone to try and take the ball from Windass genuinely and missed so I think if 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 they if the ref had given the correct foul it would have been a yellow card for Begovic despite the fact again obviously he's stopped the same goal scoring opportunity yeah. because he's he's made a genuine attempt at the ball whereas yeah coming from the wrong side of the player and just pushing them over that's right. not any, any part of tackling i mean they should really send off cook just for being a shit defender like he's fucking garbage really but i, I always feel like he should be in a museum like he is he's a link between ourselves and a former phase of evolution isn't he he's not there's there's definitely a a step back on the on the chain i think you know how everybody or like most people are like a percentage of uh of sort of caveman still he's mm. he's really high percentage i think he's he's mm-hmm. right up there he's he's like more neanderthal than homo sapien i think um big big, uh, big chimp energy you're getting from uh, <laughs> yeah. So, but I thought it was funny because I mean, just sending off, taking them down to te- the big thing was conceding the penalty because I I felt that Bournemouth was so much of a muchness. It, it like eleven times zero is about the same time as ten times zero. You know? Yes. Yeah. It's the same kind of output. So I didn't feel that. I. It was just. It was a just a a niggle about a niggle about the penalty, which was a strange. I, I think it was the right fair decision. Bannon stepped up and took it very, very well. It's insane how he's how composed he is from the penalty spot. Well, it's baffling how genuinely, generally, how good he is at passing, mm. how precise he is, how good he is at penalties, and how rubbish he is at shooting in open play. Yeah, it's such a weird. There must be some mental block that he has about it, surely. Mm. <clears throat> but um, you know, so yeah, as you say, Bannon took the penalty really well. Um, I think they would. I was slightly nervous because they were chiming off how wonderful Begovic's uh, penalty saving record is. I think he saved like three out of his last five or something like that. He's a he's a big big chap as well. Um, so quite an intimidating presence to to take a penalty. Mm-hmm. But but uh, no bother for Bannon. Just slotted away nice and comfortably. And the rest of the game was fairly I, comfortable as well. Yeah, I I thought the things that were good and positive. Because um, there were good and po- there were good things of positive. Obviously, that moment of quality. Um, I felt we grew in stature in kind of seeing the game out. That's kind of uh, that was some pretty deep good gamesmanship. I thought we did. Yeah. Um, including <laughs> including one bit which I said to you was the best moment of James of uh, sorry not James Marriott apologies Jack Marriott Sheffield Wednesday career when um, when he was taking the ball out to the corner. Uh, guarding it, and then he fell on his ass onto the ball. Yes, yeah. That was probably the best moment in his Sheffield Wednesday career. I don't understand how that was given as a foul against him. Are you not allowed to sit on the ball? I completely agree. 
Yeah. I mean, I mean I, I'm sure players are allowed to take efforts to stop you sitting on the ball like you're a chicken on top of an egg. But I didn't know. I didn't know it was necessarily not in the rules to uh, if you're if you're if you're um, you know do a, desperate do a, enough or stupid enough to try it. Do a I reverse hand. Expressly ruled out. <laughs> And then it becomes, you know, how much of the, how much of the cheek is counted? You know, same as your arm. Mm. Where does the where does the bomb start and the thigh end? <laughs> Isn't that a British uh, gambling thing? When when the when the bomb stops, stop. <laughs> yes. So uh, anyway, let's let's stay positive. Let's talk about some more positives. Um, Best burner game in a Wednesday shirt for this, definitely this season. I'm probably all the way back to the end of his great spell. I'm going to say I thought he was fantastic that game. He looked so good. And I I quipped to you on the text there, burner had a stirmer and it got no love. And I think it was I really good. I thought it was good. very funny. That's very funny, Rich. <laughs> But even he, though I'm, even though unfortunately I'm giving you the same reaction that really irritates me from people who like, you know, people. I, I had an old housemate who I, I thought was great as a human being, but he would often, if I'd say something funny, he'd be like, "Oh, that's funny." And I'm like, "Why don't you fucking laugh, man? Give me the satisfaction of chortling. Give me, give me a little giggle." <laughs> and then the, I suppose the final, uh, the final sort of thing that I sort of uh, we shared on the text was my sister's theory that we played so much better because it was a Tuesday night, not a Wednesday night. And I think that is pretty undeniable, actually. There's, it's, there's a lot of evidence to support Tuesday. that being a... Tuesday, Tuesday nights have been pretty bad for us, though, haven't they? Midweek is just generally poor. But, but Wednesday's worse. I think I, I agree. It's probably, you know, an average performance on a Tuesday is better than some of the tripe we've had on Wednesdays. So, so are we? So we are Sheffield Wednesday, but we don't do Wednesdays. Yes, exactly. The final. Oh, Pelopesi was very, very good. I was going to say that's the best Pelopesi game in a Wednesday shirt as well. Which probably means he gets like a five and a half rating from you. <laughs> I think I would have given him a seven point five actually. Wow. I know. I know. There's yeah. I. I well, but you know I what they say. We'll, talk about, we'll talk about him today as well. I think, but um, I, I do think it works. A bit better when he's he's given a bit more room to roam around. I think actually, weirdly, just being being a very sort of dedicated anchor man, he will do it, but it's not he's not as suited to it. I think it is better when he kind of pops up and generally keeps things ticking over around the pitch. But um, the, the the final big incident, obviously, was Kadeem Harris getting sent off. Yes. Uh, for violent conduct, no less. So he, he misses mm. games. It sort of looked something and nothing to me. Well, I thought... So here's the thing. The initial challenge... <clears throat> I was surprised because I was texting you because I didn't know if my the camera work was behind. I I think he... Did he have a yellow beforehand? I was on I was on the impression he had a yellow before. No, no, he didn't. He didn't. Oh, so I thought it was a second yellow. I thought it was definitely more of a yellow card myself. Um, however, but it is two feet, which is more of a red. The thing which I thought was red was him kicking off afterwards, which I thought was going to be the red card offense. Yeah. Because he had a bit of afters with whoever whoever the ball mouth player was. Yeah, I can't remember who it would have been. I mean, presumably it was Smith, but I don't know. But 
I think, yeah, I I suppose it's not uncommon to see red cards given for, as you say, it's a two-footed tackle, um, mm. which doesn't help his case. No. It, generally reacting to something gets you punished much you know much more harshly than actually doing the thing uh mm. so the fact that the player kind of sort of roughed him up on his way up and he mm. reacted to that doesn't get a look in really it's it's his reaction yes. he's got to look after himself so I, I i can i wasn't surprised that the challenge was was denied to, in terms of uh yeah trying to get it rescinded because yeah, there's more than enough there to, to to let them stick with the original ruling. And I think they like to stick with the original ruling if they can. Mm-hmm. So it's just a shame. As you, uh, I've, It's not particularly violent. It's a bit like Van Aken's one where you're like, well, it's I, not good, but I don't know that it's three you I, know, violent. It's not like he's headbutted somebody or gone through someone at knee high or something like that. I don't know. I thought there was more grounds for us to appeal some of the previous sendings off for us. Yeah. Of this one. And we didn't do that. So I was surprised that it was like, oh, this is something that we're going to appeal. I mean, Harris is a pretty, pretty chunky miss for us. Yeah. Yeah. Although it might well mean opportunities for other players. It might, might mean we get to see Penny at some point in the, in the run of uh, two remaining games as well. So who knows? But, um, Obviously, it's a. It's. I mean, it's a great. It was great to win. Mm. Um, completely unexpected. Oh, yeah. Prob- probably saved once again. <laughs> saved Monk's skin uh, for another stretch of time, and then to add to that sort of positivity, we got the news that the points reduction had been reduced itself. That's yeah. the next bit of news. We we uh, we went from uh... minus twelve to minus six on appeal. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of people said this, it's, it's like, it's like, cause we were conditioned to think that minus 12 was our, our lot. And I, I didn't really see us getting any points off from the appeal system. So it's a huge benefit, but it's like, yeah, it's like, uh, suddenly finding two wins, you know, to add to the one midweek. So it's, yeah, it's huge. It's well, it's, yeah, it's, it's like we hadn't completely let ourselves down against, two teams that will probably be in the bottom three come the end of the season. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's amazing the things that if you sort of add up the events that have kind of given Monk a bit more time in the role, it's kind of crazy, really. Mm. Um, COVID sort of meant he probably kept his job when he would have lost it. Uh, the points reduction bought him extra time because it's like well this is a difficult situation uh the points deduction sorry the reduction in that penalty now will buy him some extra time so it's, it's weird like even wh- whether it's a win or a loss for the club it still seems to be a win for gary monk in that um it may it, you know strengthens his position uh it, it uh, we had uh, in the background of all this and the announcement that obviously uh the chairman uh, Chancery was was going to speak to the press on Thursday, so people mm. some people thought that was going to be related to Gary Monk's position. Um, yes. Obviously, we knew by the time that the press conference happened that it was probably more to do with the fact that we were going to have this uh, the outcome of the the appeal uh, come through. Um, so, I mean, but that's I mean, it's great news, isn't it? Well, go to go from minus twelve to, to minus six is tremendous news. Um, it means we are now sat. On, on positive points um 
and in a way it feels like the season sort of started afresh for us it's a huge shot in the arm for the team for the fans you know it's uh there's there's no downside really to having this happen it, it's uh the only thing is it seems weird so they, they've sort of said that we still were wrong and shouldn't have done what we did but at the same time they've reduced the penalty so it's a bit strange but i think we it sounded like from chen series point of view we were just going to accept this ruling uh and i guess ourselves and the efl will probably be glad just to have it all over and done with uh so maybe the end of the matter do you think i i really hope so i don't think we can <laughs> it's like a weird feeling that like um yeah i really hope it's the end of the matter that's all that I think I can really say. I, it's it's been such a long, drawn out kind of situation from from inception, from it coming to play, from the EFL considering when they're going to do it, and all the devious and outright and dastardly machinations that the EFL board wanted to pull to make a to make a point to make a point about yeah. a football club to make a point about a football club, which unfortunately to really piss all over their strobes on this one. Everybody's just losing money hand over fist right now because this is, <clears throat> you know, football and players' contracts and re- general running of clubs is still going on during a time when the, <laughs> this we're coming into a mass recession because of, yeah, yeah. Because of the pandemic. Yeah. So it's just so poor. It's so ill-advised. It probably looked good at one point in time, but now it looks even poorer. And... Um. Yeah. Slap it up, your EFL. <laughs> Rick Barry, your boys took one hell of a beating. <laughs> oh, Sweet Caroline in the army now. <laughs> <laughs> so then we move on to the press conference itself. Uh, mm. I have to confess, I haven't sort of watched. I was sort of reading updates, uh, and I've seen highlights. I haven't sat through the whole thing. Uh, have you? forced yourself through that or, or uh, avoided it like no, this? I, so I, I, this is interesting i i understand that i feel that we have you know I, anybody who listens to this podcast probably has different probably different shades of where they are on a political compass which <laughs> is fine um to kind of look to kind of look at what's kind of gone on in the states with biden and trump so trump is someone who is doesn't really have any uh, political base to who he is. In the, and when I yeah. say that, say the fact that he's not a politician. So basically, I think the mentality is, it's like, I don't care what typically is to be said in a very measured way, um, in a very kind of front way. I'm just going to tell you how it is. Yeah. And some people adore that. Some people love that. I can probably see why... To some people, that's very refreshing. It it doesn't really do anything for myself. You then also go to Joe Biden, who's very much a politician and very much someone who's had a lengthy political career mm-hmm. to the point where, wow, the guy's 78 this month. I, I'm i just astonished why <laughs> you have presidential elections yes. with people who are so old. But that's something else completely in, in total. <laughs> People in the septuagenarians that uh, Sam Hutchinson is just gonna just gonna novel to uh, <laughs> needs to do needs to uh, get himself get himself up the political ladder while he's plumped. <laughs> <laughs> so to look at that to think about it, um, Deshawn Chancery is someone who 
sometimes he's, he's, he seems quite an emotional guy. He yeah. sometimes seems to just want to say it how he thinks it is or from his perspective. I think sometimes he's someone who's a little bit, maybe takes a few things personally. And so I, I think a lot of what happens within the world of football stings to him. Yeah. Um, I understand he's a businessman. I'm not doubting his business acumen. Um, it, but so it depends how you want to see this. I think I've seen some Wednesday nights talk about like, oh, I, you know, I, I don't seem to hear as much about uh, praising his kind of approach and what he says. But I, I think some people do. But personally, I, I think I'd rather have more of the kind of world of um, business where you very much just have a front, which is very measured. And it's, it's the question, I think, for us as Wednesday nights, how much do we feel we need to see and it's a difficult thing because it's our football club, but effectively mm-hmm. it isn't our football club at all. So I don't really, I would like, you know, the funny thing is previous to this, I would have said, Rich, oh, I'd really like to hear what Chan, Mr. Chansiri has yes. to say about the state of Gary Monk running this football club. Yes. But then when he does come out of it, it's a bit like, oh, I'd rather not, you know, Pandora's box is opened. <laughs> Get those opinions back in the box. I don't want to know about <laughs> I don't want to know yeah. because it's not the answer I want to hear. Yes, yes, yeah. So yeah. there's so much of that. Like, so obviously there's some things that have taken that have uh, nobbled a few people. I I don't get too upset with you know what was it Wednesday? Not as big as Wednesday have to Wednesday nights have to understand that the club is not as big as they think it is. That was a big thing that kind of caused a few ripples. Um, maybe some people took that quite funnily, you know. But still, it's something that. It's it still kind of sparked a few things. Yeah. I also want to say that the stuff about how he had this giant sponsorship deal, <laughs> which crumbled because some Wednesday fans were negative online, is complete horseshit. <laughs> it's just complete BS. I do not believe that for a second. I think I get the point of what he's trying to do, but it's just not... Yeah, yeah. I, I don't believe that for a second myself. So no, it, it seems quite hard to, hard to take in, doesn't it? Uh, and we're in this difficult position right now, where he's put a lot of money into it. We want, I want him to run the club um, like a business for the sake of that. It's something that he's not bleeding money, you know, just out the eyeballs on a consistent basis, so that he feels the need to keep reaching deep and ever deep into his pocket and keep spending money. I want it to be run sensibly. But I also want it to be run with a an entertaining and engaging football team on the pitch that can compete to some level. But the, yeah, so I, I thought that to me that was possibly the most interesting bit was where he's talking about you know the EFL say oh we want sustainability they don't do anything to help clubs with sustainability. So mm-hmm. we we've talked about that. Well, we talked about the comments that the West Brom chairman made. They've signed a terrible TV deal or awful. They've got a very popular, good product, and they mismanage it like a bunch of town councillors. And <laughs> and and you, I genuinely, I mean, I'm not one for conspiracy theories generally, but you know, Rick Parry was the first chairman of the Premier League, and now he seems to just sort of want to sell power over yeah. the EFL and their and the clubs there to yeah. the Premier League. You know, yeah. he was all for this cockamamie idea where Man United and Liverpool got to make all the rules in football so the, the, this sort of vague feeling that he is 
still working for the Premier League, albeit through a surrogate, is quite hard to shake. And mm. to hear Chan series, so that's an, we now of 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 two chairmen I've heard talk about it. A hundred percent of them agree that it is entirely unsustainable to run a football league in the Championship because you are one. You're competing with the clubs that come down with hundreds of millions of pounds from the Premier League. Another thing that was signed away by the EFL. Um, again, I know Premier League held the EFL over over a barrel, but if the EFL was making money in its own right, we would be less beholden to the Premier League. Uh, so, so you, yeah, so you've got parachute payments at one end of the table, and Chancery is rightly saying these clubs that come up from the League One and don't spend money go mm. straight down. Yeah, you have to spend more money than is feasible. To just compete in the in the yes. championship, yeah. let alone yeah. win it, let alone compete to to get for promotion, you need to spend too much money just to stay above, uh, stay afloat. Right, and then and then you add COVID onto it. I am amazed they haven't released some special rules to just say, do you know what? All that profit and sustainability stuff doesn't really count at the moment. If you have, if you can keep your club afloat, well done. Yes, you, you know. Smoking yeah, with the bottom, chaps, you know? Yeah. Um, because everybody's going to... People are losing... Clubs are probably losing millions of pounds every month right now. And so to sit down in judgment at, at accounts time and say, oh, did you lose too much money? Yeah, do you know what? The whole world was leaking money like a sieve. <laughs> yes, we did lose too much money, Mr. Parry, in your Birkenstock. Um, so I, I do really agree with him that there's something yeah. needs to happen. This just waggling your finger and saying, "Oh, we need sustainability." It just doesn't work if you don't. If there's no nothing else is in place to make this sustainable. Mm. If like, oh, do you know what? You spend money on players, and that means you get on telly more, and therefore you you make more money, and therefore it was worth. You know, in a way, it's worthwhile being an entertaining side that kind of keeps just keeps afloat in the championship. That's okay. But, you know, talking about Derby and have it, having a new owner and having mega bucks, well, fine. That means they get one go at it, basically. Yeah. And if they fail to go up that year or the next, then they're screwed in year three. And Derby should already be a very competent championship side with, uh, you know, 32, 32 Red Uni. Of course. And then their side. But and then the... They're currently at the foot of the championship, being uh, being tickled with a little ball field past uh, from the the ever hated, ever points deducted Sheffield Wednesday. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I get that. the um, The other thing I wanted to note was the other thing I have difficulty with him coming out and talking about stuff is he seems he seems a man who's quite jaded. He seems like mm-hmm. he seems like his optimism tank is low. It it's difficult for him. I. I can't imagine how much emotional efforts and financial efforts to keep dealing with running this football club in this situation. I mean, this is why I'd like it to be run well. So yes. you don't have to have points deductions. You don't have to have numerous conversations with the EFL to try and do stuff. You, you know, you don't have to. I, I'd wish he would give himself more to do in that situation, more benefit. You know, I wish he'd give himself more. Mm put himself in the way of good more often regarding that because it's so hard to do that. It, but it's difficult to hear how he's basically sleepwalking 
And, you know, I hope he doesn't pack up, pack things up, because any criticism aside, he's the man who's, you know, basically saving this football club, especially during a very difficult time. Yeah, yeah. So it is difficult. Uh, but then the, the difficult thing with that is it's kind of a bit like, I want the fan base to be positive, but I'm going to be negative. <laughs> I'm like, yes. we kind of need some leadership from you, Mr. Chancery. I kind of need you to be more positive about this, right? Yeah, I don't. His um his answer on Monk was interesting as well, which was basically like he has my absolute hundred percent support until he doesn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Classic. The one thing I thought was nice was um I think this is kind of covered. I was listening to Al's America, so they kind of talked about the hindsight that you kind of learned with him talking about Forestieri. Yeah, that was nice because I. Uh, yeah, that was a difficult situation. Because, I, I mean, I don't know if I would have especially gone off that first season of Forestieri for he's a player we should have sold. Hein, it seems absolutely perfect, considering after that he's uh, he was absolute turd. <laughs> for, the yes, remaining, yes. for the remaining, was it four seasons on a, you know, a new bumper extended contract? Yeah. Where he did less, you know, he did less in most of those years than Stephen Fletcher prior to Stephen Fletcher being awesome in his <laughs> last season. I you suppose know? that's one of the things that must be frustrating to somebody as Chen Series, uh, admittedly not a football man, that you are, you know, the power behind the throne on these things and shelling out for <laughs> the likes of uh, Forestieri. Fans are amazingly loyal to players. Mm. and throw criticism at someone like the chairman far, far more quickly. Um, So there certainly would have been lots and lots of people completely up in arms if we'd sold Forestieri at the point that we had the offer for him. Yes. There would be people still talking about it now. There'd be a bunch of people protesting outside the player's entrance. Yeah. I mean, to the point where today I was looking at comments on Twitter at halftime, and some people were saying... Mm, the people up front are rubbish. From now, Jordan Rhodes can't even get on, and you're like, what? What part of Jordan Rhodes helps? What have you watched that you have thought? Do you know what we need is an immobile, unconfident husk of a human being to stand up top? <laughs> but there's a loyalty to that player. There's a loyalty to, and in 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 I think in Forestieri and Rhodes's case, it's not even a loyalty to the player they are. It's the player they once were or are imagined to be. Mm. And as a chairman, you don't get any of that romanticism. You get the thudding, <laughs> you know, thudding depth of reality always. That's that's what yeah. you are given to deal with. And well, maybe um, you get a tiny, tiny moment in the sun if things go well. Yeah. But it's all forgotten very quickly. I mean, even if we got promoted, the next question would be, what sort of budget are we going to have in the Premier League? Do you know, <laughs> like for a chairman, it is... Exactly. Yeah. There's a moment of celebration and then, yeah, but what about the next load of cash we're going to shell out? Yeah. When are we going to um, do a do a pigs and spunk $130 million on some less than convincing players? Yes. When are we going to replace half our first team with players who are worse, but much, much, much more expensive? (laughs) Excellent, excellent, excellent. (laughs) Um, 
Should we yeah. talk about today, the match? Should we go? Should we, we go? Sure. The thing I just want to say, I imagine it probably is a real kick in the balls to give a huge bumper contract as a chairman to Fernando Forestieri against, you know, on his and his agents' whims, and them just basically just stick their fingers at the bottom for the next four years. That was probably <laughs> that probably felt like a giant kick in the teeth. It felt like a kick in the teeth for me as a fan. It probably feels a lot worse to Mr. Chancery. So, Absolutely. so yeah, I. I there are some things, so I have big sympathies around towards him. But um, I don't know. It, you talked about the Craig David seven days. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I don't know if this is quite the third night of third night sex. <laughs> no, probably not. No, it's the other way around. I think you'd want to talk about the match last because it's the or the, you'd want to talk about the points, de- points, deduction, reduction, maybe last. You wouldn't talk about this last. That's what I'm saying. This is the worst one. You would lead with this. If it wasn't the last thing to happen. Right. Okay. The, 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 the this talk. is probably like the previous two days were like full of full of uh, Craig David boning. And then now he's got a rash. Exactly. Yeah. Now he's got a fungal infection. Yeah. This is, this is, we have had three nights of passion. Now we're, now we are sharing a slightly sweaty handshake. In the door. <laughs> <laughs> But then that probably brings us on to um, <laughs> learning learning the name on for for a nice a nice sweet little date I guess a nice guess. anonymous date on Saturday as that brings us on to Millwall. <laughs> really wanting to work this analogy, really putting so much work into this to make it work. Keep keep at it. Don't let it down. <laughs> Don't let it die. <laughs> It's like um, it's like hacky sack. Don't let it touch the ground. Just keep going. Uh, so yes, Millwall. Millwall visit Hillsborough, the grottiest of grotty clubs, come to town. Um, so to replace Harris, Odebajo switched switched across to that left wing back position. Uh, Palmer came over to the right wing back position, and Van Aken then became a surprising right sided centre back uh, to make up the three at the back. Um, broadly worked fairly well. Yeah, much. yeah. Though I, I, I must go back to my notes now, which I haven't had to look at. It was a little bit confusing as a lineup, though. Oh yeah, it felt like it had on paper a bit of an imbalance. Like it, it took me a few, like a magic eye. It took me a few looks at it to try and get a decent. I wondered whether Van Aken was in midfield at one point. Well, it was he. I, I, I think in. Potentially, his average position would be quite interesting because he was very much given the, the you know, all the world to to wander into. Mm. Uh, Which is know. also weird because you would kind of think previous memories. You'd think Iorfa's going to get marauding, Werner's going to get marauding. Yeah, but it was he didn't really maraud, but he had the room to maraud. <laughs> He was free to maraud. A room to maraud. <laughs> by, by, by Richard Miller. <laughs> I'm looking forward to your Victoria novel. Reading. But he was given all that space. I think he looked long, awkward. Long descriptions about uh, Mr. Mr. Jos van Aken. <laughs> he entered the area where he could maraud. <laughs> the, Mil- the Millwall players said back, allowing him to maraud. Almost inviting marauding upon themselves. <laughs> yes, yes, that was that was the first half, wasn't it? The febrile Dutchman wandered tentatively forward, not so much marauding as as loping. 
looking about frequently to be freed from such a terrible amount of responsibility on his part. I'm looking um, forward to that, uh, that new audiobook on Audible, our new system. <laughs> that is getting saved. Ah, oh, we were wondering what would happen after uh, Alice and Prime, and uh, oh, we've just found it, Luke. Yeah. What, what, what title are you looking forward to? <laughs> room to a room to maraud. A room to maraud. So, uh, I, I think my, my to be honest, my first thought. I didn't think so much about the the team. I, I was surprised how how that three lined up a little bit, but um, hmm. I mean, thankfully, it either wasn't tested particularly or it worked fairly well i didn't think van aken looked comfortable necessarily um but he was never by and large never really caught out until he got injured sort of late on i think he was quite lucky there was an effort where matt smith sort of towered above him and put his free header wide but that was just before he came off injured so i think when he was fit um he didn't he yeah he didn't seem to struggle too much at all uh what i think what my first thought the my sort of first worry inherent worry uh was the bench looked very thin in terms of other options we had a lot of attacking players on that bench but if we'd lost players defensively we were really um really struggling because mm. yeah there's so it, we had three strikers oh yeah yeah well we well that's that's the the thing we um we've got so many players who don't do a great deal we've, yes. got, we've got so many players who can't put a shift in on the bench yeah. so we've got plenty of those all the players that we want to put shifts in they put shifts in and then they get injured so we don't see them for two months you know like the one go yes yes and for some reason we don't see i i was disappointed again we you know there's no delhi bashuru no, he seems to have been forgotten since his... A bit like, I, I don't know if I quite share everyone's passion for where is Matt Penny, but, no. you know, Monk is looking a bit like, yeah, I don't really want to play the kids anymore. <laughs> yeah, that went that went away really quickly, didn't it? It did. It really that lasted did. for t- two games or three games? I think so, yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, it's the same because he was, he was the highlight of a bad week mm. last week, and he's not played... A minute of football since, which is yeah. a, it's a real shame. Yeah. Meanwhile, Marriott has played parts in both games and still has yet to do anything useful in a Sheffield Wednesday shirt. I'm looking forward to the um, unaudible Lee Childs uh, series of books about Jack Marriott. Um, the first one, A Kingdom of Minutes, is. Uh... <laughs> oh dear! Yes, let's. We can save that till later. Uh, <laughs> so setting a bit of a tone for the game, three, 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 four minutes in, Kachunga did a really good job of closing down uh, the Millwall defender, mm. I think it was Hutchinson, uh, broke through, was pretty much clear on goal and put it wide pretty tamely uh, when it looked like a very, very nice situation to be in as a, as a striker. Um, and as I say, yes, yeah, sort of set the tone for the rest of our performance in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we had pretty much twenty minutes of solid dominance. Um, no, well, relative dominance. Sorry, I shouldn't say solid dominance. Relative dominance, <laughs> uh, but not huge chances. You know, it, it's this is the Wednesday way under Monk. Half chances, glimpses, if only. 
if that pass had been better, if it hadn't been behind him. Those sort of chances are the ones that we create or half create uh, under under Gary Monk. Uh, we then, a, 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 after 20 minutes of trying to score, had a had a rest for a while. <laughs> Where they, they had a couple of good chances. So they had a sort of tame header that went wide then. There was the bobbly shot that looked quite dangerous, but went out of play without touching anyone. Uh, yeah. A lovely comedy moment at 33 minutes where Berner and Bannon ran into each other and let the, left the ball <laughs> somewhere behind them. Did you did you enjoy that once the panic was over, Luke? I did. I'm really glad you brought that up because I forgot who was it. But um, so you say it was it was Bannon and and Berner and Berner. Yeah, I mean, I they're two very different people, but they've really united themselves in their love of Dave Matthews Band's crash into me. So they really <laughs> want to give a they just want to come into each other like a boy's dream. Sitting in the middle of the park. <laughs> I think, do you know when Chen Siri was talking about losing that sponsorship? I yeah. worry they listened to this podcast. And... <laughs> <laughs> it was a moment like this, Luke. We I just cannot is... have our brand associated with, with, this, with this. This, is, this is the brand you want to get in with. <laughs> there's nothing contentious or there's nothing contentious about. Uh, <laughs> me just shooting my mouth off ridiculously and saying some regrettable things. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. So, <laughs> get, in our bunker, get in the different gravy bunker and bring some sponsorship money. <laughs> and we'll rename the bunker the different gravy bunker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The different gravy bunker brought to you by Accurist or whatever. Um, <laughs> but those two took each other out. There was a bit of a scramble there where it was sort of five or six uh, Millwall players to four Wednesday defenders. But uh, Palmer did really well to get himself back and, and cut out the the killer pass that the, the they'd eventually played. Um, and the story of the half, really, well, maybe the story of the game, they just sat very, very deep. I think they'd watched us play against Bournemouth and, and had have chances sort of round the back of, of, of the Bournemouth defence and had decided they didn't want to deal with that and just sat very, very deep. They sat like 2-0 up deep all the way through the game, which is where all that that, that room to roam came for Van Aken. Um, but it was also asking questions of us that we didn't answer particularly well, I don't think. we've. This even goes back to sort of Carlos times, maybe even further. Um, we're not great at breaking teams down when they sit back and just sort of give us the ball we look particularly ineffectual when that happens we look quite devastating at times on a break uh but given the ball and time and space we kind of twiddle our thumbs and Mm. there was a lot of noodling around at the back there was several occasions where we had five players in our half and there was not a Millwall player within five or six meters of them because Bannon and Pelopesi had gone back to get the ball and all the defenders were back not uh, not particularly astounding stuff, really. Mm. Uh, again, our best chances came from the strikers or the attacking players nicking the ball off. Yes, uh, Millwall players. So again, at sort of thirty-three minutes, thirty-four minutes, um, Windass nicked it off Hutchinson, made a good chance for himself. They were all fairly easy saves for the keeper, or fairly tame shots. Uh, but th- that was. It was nice to see the sort of endeavour in that, and he he mm. saw it 
through. He was looking up for an option to pass to, but nobody else was really breaking, committing and breaking into the box for him. That was the one shot on target, wasn't it? The one where he, yes, he had it out on the angle shot. and then just kind of fizzed it, you know, to basically just get a corner out of the Millwall yeah. keeper. Yeah. And then from that corner is where Burner kind of injured himself, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. A long period on the ground, looking a bit sort of spacey, and I was I was slightly worried he was going to get taken off because um, he just maybe maybe it was just play acting or something, but he did genuinely look like he was maybe struggling to clear his head for for a fair amount of time. You wondered if he just wanted to do a, a homage to his favourite Ali Fools and Horses moment, where uh, <laughs> Delphi's... he does love that so much. He loves it so much. It does. Uh, also notable. Uh, moment in the uh, in the first half, uh, forty six minutes. Joey Pelopesi pulled off a double foul. He managed to foul two Millwall players in one foul, and that was really good going. I think that's very was, efficient play. Was that in the end of the first half for the stoppage end time? Of, or was that... I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went through two players at once. Do you think it was interesting? I know one of the corners, Palmer, was taking corners. Did you see that? I did see that, and it wasn't a bad corner as well. No, I mean his crossing. He's, I think he's the best, certainly the best right-footed crosser in the team when uh, when Brown isn't playing. Uh, so I think it makes a sense. His yeah, his crossing's got an awful lot better through like recently and uh, through the years, but uh, especially recently he's put some really really good balls in. So yeah, why not give him a chance on the corners? Because mm. nobody can ever tell where Bannon's going to put it. So if we can get anybody that can put some consistency on their corners, that would be really good. For the team, no, it, it was funny. It was funny that Bannon's corners midweek were were all right. I think they were. Yeah, you know, we we didn't talk about the well. There wasn't really much to talk about midweek against Bournemouth apart from the penalty. But there was that that uh, corner half chance, which we should have done better with. Was him sort of fizzed across the front of the fizzed the... across, and then I I know I was I wasn't arguing with you, but I I think we differed <laughs> on opinion. I I thought it was flicked on by Palmer, and you said you think it just sailed over Palmer's head. And then Burner and I, but is it Burner and I author? Both didn't get anything on it, and they should have. Yes, yeah. The back stick, yeah. But I thought that was, yeah, I thought that was oh, weird, th- considering yeah. Bannon's corners have largely been tosh, and midweek they were they weren't bad, they were all right. So, but anyway, yeah. Well, maybe maybe the team knows what's going to happen, but he does the same <laughs> signal every time, and hands on the head, hands on the head, and. That seems to mean scuffed along the floor, flicked to the near post to be easily headed away, kicked too hard so it goes over everybody's head. Good, A good corner, maybe one time in ten. A, a corner that isn't that good but maybe goes in on its own. Like, all those things. Touching his head means all those things, apparently. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how the team know what they're setting up for or what they're supposed to be, be preparing for because... It just seems to be, you know, a roll of the dice to see what turns up when Bannon takes a corner. Uh, but uh, again, we were, you know, half time. It's one. It's that same old story. Taylor's um, always slightly better, but nothing to show for it. Yeah. Did you think it was weird how like Millwall were just giving us just just giving us all that all that space? There was no. It was weird to see a team not doing any pressing. Well, we talked about. Well, we yeah, Millwall have a have a type of player they're all like 5 11 and you know look like they're of questionable integrity they would try and sell you something in a pub um that's you know that there's a there's a millwall type 
and <laughs> I think defensively they're probably not the quickest. So I think mm. I, I I presume that was to combat the fact that Windass and Kachunga are fairly pacey and and reaches uh, probably the quickest out of the three, and they were all looking to break in behind any any chance they were given. So I think yeah. I think to combat that they sat really really deep, and that's where it asked questions of us that we weren't generally able to answer. Mm. We weren't finding the passes, we weren't finding spaces. In fact, players were looking up Bannon or Pelopesi or whoever, or Van Aken quite often it happened to, were looking up and there was just no ball on for them. Certainly not a safe pass, uh, which is, it's a failure. It's a good, you know, it's good defending on Millwall's part. It's a failure of sort of imagination and, and movement on our team's part. And I thought, start of the second half, we actually looked like we'd addressed that a fair amount. I thought Kachunga and Windass and Reach in particular were moving to make themselves available, uh, which caused more confusion to the Millwall defence and it gave people options to pass to. And Reach was knitting things together pretty nicely uh, early on in, in the in the second half. Mm-hmm. Uh, he set up a nice uh, ball into to Windass, who had a, another decent effort. Again, not hugely challenging for the goalkeeper, but... Uh, a, a good shot on target. Um, I have, I do have to say, it's another game where I sort of was pining for. Imagine having a nice, reliable goalkeeper. That would be a nice thing to have um, because he made everything look pretty effortless, uh, and he had some good saves to make at times. Um, Reach had a lovely effort low down. Um, mm sort of I'm trying to think when that was that was sort of 50 52 minutes mark uh we had a couple of chances in quick succession and the, the best one was Palmer sort of cut back to reach on the edge of the box and reach kind of fizzed it low into the to keepers left but he he again sa- saved it fairly well and held on to it he didn't um save it and throw it into the middle of the box so that Windass could score which I thought was a novel way of goalkeeping I thought that was really interesting the, the new twist he was bringing to goalkeeping. <laughs> you just catch the ball and then stand up and kick that with, out of your hands. thought that was good. thought that was really clever. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, 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 I mean, were you similarly sort of impressed with Reach sort of pop, popping up and making finding those pockets of space? Or not really? No, it was. I, mean, I, I, I thought that the first 10, 15 minutes or so after half time that was that was excellent and some of the best play i think we've had in had in a while yeah you know, i, I thought that was really it. really good we were just the link up was really good i said the game has roared into life from nothing the reanimated corpse is mainlining five hour energies <laughs> we, we were almost back to munkenstein's monster we were really um <laughs> What did you make of the incident where Windass was called offside after sort of several chances and half chances? So that was where Pelupesi, um, I think Bannon played Pelupesi in uh, almost one-on-one with the keeper and he sort of hit it straight at him. Yeah. And then Kachunga had another little effort that kind of bobbled around and then Windass did a, a reactive sort of flick header towards the goal. And it there was... For me, borderline, it was handball. I think, again, in the Premier League, that may have been questions about handball, but it was given offside. I didn't see an angle that convinced me it was offside. No, and we didn't really get a replay of that, which was frustrating. Um, it could have been, could it could have have been, been offside. Yeah. Could, could, it could have been offside, could have been a, a penalty. 
You know, I think any of those things could have been a possibility. It would have been harsh, I think, if it was a handball. But as I say, this this new rule seems to be fairly harsh <laughs> by by design. Sure, we just need to be, have the same rules in our football as they do. Um, but it's I know, just... I know, I know. But it's just, um, you know, why can't we just spend even more money during these times to just have uh, <laughs> the AR? Well, we could even do it in the middle of the season, right? The Premier League seemed to change its rules in the middle of the season. They did, so. they did yeah. Here we go. <laughs> but again, we're uh, we're outside of that that, uh, that wealth of riches that they just seem to just drip, and everyone seems to lose money there as well. Yeah. So. Yep. Um. I thought so. Everything was really good. I was really enjoying that period. It was just everything still lacking that quality in the final ball, in the final third, in the shots. It's disappointing that we had Pelopessi. I, I thought it. I, Brown was coming on, and I'm like, that's a really good substitution. But then I started worrying because I'm like, who are you going to bring off to bring Brown to bring Brown on? Because yeah. I thought everybody was doing really well, and I thought it was actually. It's interesting you mentioned about Adam Reach um, because I, Adam Reach was having a good game, having a very good game. Yeah. For, you know, without that kind of end products. He had lots of chances. He definitely should have done better with some of them, I think. But I, I think I would have taken off Reach for Brown at that I, point. I thought I, it was unfortunate that Pelopessi had to make way. I also don't think it was a coincidence that we then sort of lost control of the game for yes. 20, 25 minutes completely. And then we, and then unfortunately that was the start of the, that was the start of the recession. It was receding back to Gary Monk being desperate and just trying to start to just chuck more strikers onto it. Well, that's you know? the, that is the, it's one of the harbingers of the end times for a manager, isn't it? That this, <laughs> they just kind of, they throw on attacking personnel with no plan. And and yeah, just do this again and again where you lose your base in the game. Like we're doing well because we have a have our the bottom part of this team is working well. So like if we're not doing well enough at attack it, like what we were failing at is the bit that happened in the box, the final third. The final third stuff was all happening because actually the defense and the midfield were doing their job. So what you change is one of those people that is primarily there in the final third, surely. Like, that mm-hmm. seems the more sensible thing to do. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we we lost our kind of the base we were working from. And, uh, I mean, Izzy Brown, I'm, I'm always pleased to see him come on the pitch. I think he's a very yeah. useful footballer. But yeah. we didn't see anything from him. He wasn't able to have any impact on the game because we, we lost... Uh, our ability to kind of stand toe to toe with Millwall the championship you always have to win the fight then do the other stuff mm. and with I mean Pelopessi again having you know he's in a, a, a relative <laughs> relatively good run of form he was he was again having a good influence on the game I mean it's a, sh- it's a shame some of the good chances fell his way because mm. he's by no means a finisher. Although we do all remember he scored an absolute perler against uh, Millwall in the past. Mm. Uh, but, it, but then but <clears> it's like that, I don't think that's reason to take him off. We don't know. Maybe no. he, maybe he was tiring. We don't, there might be other factors to be fair, but it, it I, I put down when the substitution was made. Hmm. 
and then 20 minutes later I said I don't think it's a coincidence we've, we've, we've lost the, the our yeah. press and our foothold um, and then I was disappointed to chances Millwall yeah and then I was really disappointed that Kachunga went off for Patterson after yeah. that as well I've 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 enjoyed Kachunga quite a bit um, it's funny that he had that that kind of feel of you know the striker who you buy early on in the window and then you feel like oh great he's going to be the starting striker and then you sign better strikers mm. afterwards so he just kind of falls into the background and you kind of forget about the qualities that he can have because he's not the he's not the latter kind of pricey signing he's my, he's my favorite out of the strikers we've signed Pachunga. Uh, at this stage. Yeah, I I really wish we'd seen more from Windass. I feel like Windass is that player to be better than I think Windass on his day is is the best out of a lot of them. But I He's, just think we're missing a bit of we're missing that, that day rolling around, you know. Yeah. I was expecting to see it a bit more often, I'm gonna be honest. Uh, but the thing I suppose Windass to be to be fair, so to me Windass is sort of doing the job he's there to do. Um he made two or three chances for himself today with his pressure, with his movement. Um, he got his shots on target. I thought the goalkeeper did very, very well. I mean, I'm not being, I was being sarcastic earlier, but the the chances are hitting the target with a well-struck shot. There's a, there's a, a reasonable chance you might get another bite at things in this mm. league. Goalkeepers are not particularly fantastic overall. We certainly bring down the average, but um, they're, 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 so in a way, he's sort of done his bit. This oddly, I was sort of slagging off people, sort of talking about Rhodes, but Marriott, I don't know what the point of bringing him on was. I feel like we've no. got, if you've got Windass and Reach and um, to an extent Patterson on the pitch, but Brown on the pitch, I think you've got like three or four players that do what Marriott does better than Marriott. So I don't see the point in bringing on another guy that does that. I think actually it would have made more sense to bring on Rhodes and just say, do you know what? (laughs) No, but like, no, I know. It's just, it's another, it's another episode of different gravy where it's another episode of different gravy where we're like, can we have Rhodes instead of Marriott? (laughs) But like today is this scenario, the way that the game ended with us sort of, making lots of half chances and having the odd pot shot and things like that. If if nothing else, Jordan Rhodes is for sweeping up after a goalkeeper's sort of missed, mistimed save or, mm. you know, it, it, at, at least he's something different. I don't, he probably wouldn't have been my choice to go to, but if you're determined, there's certain weird rules that football managers set themselves and one of those is if you're in a position like ours where you're chasing the game, you don't make a quote unquote defensive change. So you can only you couldn't you could bring a striker off for a striker, but you can't change shape in any way. You couldn't bring off a striker for a midfielder. That would be sacrosanct. Um, so this sort of odd position that managers put themselves in where they have to bring on a striker at that stage. I would prefer off the two strikers on the left on the bench. I thought I think Jordan Rhodes is different to what we have on the pitch, whereas Marriott is a worse version of everything we've got on the pitch and had on the pitch already. I don't think it's a change. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a change for Van Aken, obviously. <laughs> um, but Hon would Hon would have been a better change. 
than than uh, than bringing on Marriott because he likes to pick a pass. He doesn't mind having a shot. I just don't. Well, where's again? Where's FTB? Well, or, or FTB. Uh, every basically everybody apart from Dawson. Maybe Dawson. Maybe I would have put Dawson on ahead of Marriott. <laughs> At least he's tall. <laughs> what is the point of Marriott? Why did we sign him? Why does he ever get to play? He know. is useless. I don't know. And you know, the really funny thing is we came up against Millwall today. So the funny thing was going to this game. I would have, I, I imagine we would have lost this game against Millwall like nine times out of 10 last season. Yeah, probably. So I'm happy that we didn't. Uh, a, a great thing that Rich sent me on the text, which I wanted you to repeat in this, which is I'd rather be bored than losing. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> Which I think says a lot, really. But the interesting thing about Millwall coming into this game, so they, they're they missing Troy Parrott, who's the, the much-lauded Spurs youngster. Of course, yeah. Who they probably only got because they're based in London and because, you know, he can stay stay at home and all this, all this jazz. Um, I don't think he's really done anything for them yet. No, but he's good on football manager. But he's good on football managers, you put, Rich. Good point, good point. And the other player they signed, obviously, Canister Hoare, who we were linked with of course. for, for a, a, a sheer eternity within these lockdown times. <laughs> and basically, it seemed to say that, like, the overall arching problem that Monk had was, I'm unsure about his, I think, seemed to be Monk's team sent, unsure about his level of fitness. Mm. And he scored for them and landed awkwardly, and now he's got a calf injury and he's out for, like, eight weeks. I think. Right. Wow. So they had that, and I was like, "Oh, great! We might not be worried by their strikers." And then I thought, "Well, they've got other players who are quite good." And then I saw that they were playing Matt Smith, and I'm like, "Oh crap! Matt Smith always has a yes. field day again." Yeah. So maybe that's a huge positive. But again, to kind of go back, we don't know what what it would have been like if we did sign the Hall for the ridiculous wages they were putting out there into the world. If no. that's what it was in the press. But again, I would have much rather seen another another target man than another another spry player, which we've got three of those. Well, I'd say Rhodes is Rhodes is the least spry of a lot of them, but they're all those types, similar types of players. I didn't think we need a fourth one. No. So again, I don't know. I really hope he can do something at some point because it's going to be a long season of seeing him get all these minutes, all these minutes. And being brought on, brought on from the bench from Monk, or starting, which is even more of a crime because the guy does nothing. <sighs> the guy does nothing. He does nothing. I mean, it's. I suppose to be fair. I mean, one thing that people say about uh, yeah, boy Jordan Rhodes is he doesn't get runs of minutes. <laughs> he doesn't get games. True. Uh, and I suppose for Marriott, you could say the same thing. I mean, by and large, he's been on the thin gruel end of things. You know, brought on once the game's lost. Um, brought on towards the end as a kind of desperate measure. But I think the thing is, we're seeing enough moments where if if he had it and was going to do it, he could have done it already. The only chance we can think about was it literally his first game where he came off the bench. Yeah. And he, um, he had that, it looked like he was going to just, it would have been some some finish. But we think we've seen previously in highlight reels, he's capable of doing that. That one on the angle. That's obviously going to be the 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 what might have been of his time with us because right. if you score five minutes into your debut as a striker, there's a you probably bring that confidence with you at yes. least for the next little run of games. Yeah. 
but obviously it didn't happen and he whatever confidence he had i just can't believe he's a guy that played so often for them because that for um for, for derby like he looks like a guy that's completely he, he looks as unconfident as jordan rhodes i know but he's I been think, he's been a first I think choice looks more confident maybe yeah maybe yeah but like it's so weird from a guy that's you know came to us having played six games of football this season and started most of them he just looks like he's got nothing so strange but um yeah so once again i sort of feel like this was a i think what's the worrying sort of recurring things with monk are i actually think he's really good at, at like game planning and given time i think he's really good at coming up with kind of clever ruses to 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 get one over on a team in a first half if they if they continue to play like they did in the last few games generally i feel that sheffield wednesday under gary monk will be well prepared to play them in that first half the recurring downsides of gary monk is he is no he can't think on the fly so the substitutions are bad. We frequently are made worse by every substitution. And if the opposition changes things, we're completely freaked out and cannot change our route at all. Uh, and so today was, thankfully, we didn't have that. Millwall got no better after the break. We, we made them look very ordinary. First half, we made them look very ordinary. Second half, they didn't really get any better at any stage. They made substitutions. It didn't change things. But our subs basically all made us worse, which is not really good. And and you think looking at that bench, it's overstocked with attacking players. We should have, with with proper thinking, we should have had players there that could make a difference coming from the bench. Yeah. And the fact we didn't, nobody was brought on and had an impact. Do you think it's, this is incredible, Rich. We had 16 goal attempts, eight of which were on target, five of which were off target three of which classed as blocked shots. This is according to okay. Flash School. Um, Millwall, Millwall had 11 goal attempts. Two were blocked shots. Nine were off targets. So that means there's zero attempts on target from Millwall. Yeah, I, think, I, I feel, I feel like we played ourselves today. Making a save, actually. I feel like we played our double today. Yeah, in a way. Yeah. They, they, did, they looked fairly toothless, although I thought that, that Matt Smith chance, I don't know how he... Missed wow, it. 78 minutes. Minute one. one where he's a free header and he just does the worst header I've seen in quite a while. He got a he beautifully got a hold of it and put it three to four foot wide. It was a great defensive header. I mean, if yeah, you, it was a great, great clearance. If um, you had a free defensive header, that'd be brilliant. I made a couple of uh, I made a couple of funnies in terms of my notes here that we should just tick <laughs> off, even though they didn't naturally come up in the conversation. Let's shoot sure. them in towards the end here. Um, I, I said Millwall, almost a team of Wallaces. Jed, Murray, Billow, Mickey, Titch, Ross, George, and Mia. <laughs> and then um, Berno, when he had his, uh, he got his his forehead cut um, and doing doing his Terry Butcher impression. I put Berno Butcher Baker Spy. <laughs> excellent, 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 excellent. Um, I've got some notes as well. I think I missed the point where we talked about the transition for the end of the first half. So okay. I, I made some notes from the first half. You know, I said, unfortunately, and I hope not, another half where we're better, but didn't seem to pull the finger out and punishing Millwall, yeah. which was true. Uh, the stats seemed low and bereft of ideas. 
like mm. somehow possession is going to add up to 61% combined. Like the stats <laughs> computer decided to switch itself off after 25 minutes. <laughs> so another thing we need to talk about, Rich, is unfortunately the episode will come out a day after. So we won't be able to do this. So I want to, some of the best stuff I think I heard from the beginning of the game, Rich, okay. which was disappointing as it was during that. It was actually during that period where that first 20 minutes where it looked like we were going to cause some danger. Mm. Um, the best thing was um, the announcement about Achan Siri's birthday. So, oh, I love that. That was so Just nice. Awkwardly singing happy birthday. That was really, really and very funny as well for that. <laughs> so one of the things I think I've kind of enjoyed during this really terrible time of football is, you know, people sending in uh, requests for birthdays yes. and, you know, shout outs and stuff. And it really makes me think back to that golden era of kids television where parents would send in cards. So I was wondering if the first half could have been a lot better had the Wednesday players were just doing birthday wishes and Barry Bannon's reading out cards <laughs> with like Thomas the Tank Engine with at Chan Series face where you pull the thing back on. <laughs> Which I'm sure at would probably be like, yeah, I'm a little bit older than that and I'm kind of past I'm past my Thomas the Tank Engine phase, but thanks. Thanks, thanks Baz, I appreciate it. oh dear it was such i mean i think it really it really told how poor this game was that um (laughs) that that i was getting a bit bored with the shout outs and there was obviously several people tweeting (laughs) say stop with these i'm really bored (laughs) because <laughs> there was so little action they were like searching through things a couple of months ago um this got sent to me uh <laughs> you know scraping the barrel to fill the dead air of this lifeless game of football <laughs> hold, hold up the teletubby's birthday card to the camera john we all want to see oh <laughs> uh, anything else from the Missives from the first half. Um, or, or, Callum, or, let's just say, kind of look at some positive things. Let's talk about Callum Patterson doing Movember. Happy Movember, everybody! Happy uh, November. Brilliant month of the year where uh, lots of lots of women are constantly complaining about men looking like creeps um, for ill-advised moustaches. Um, I think I'm going to do the same as well. I think I'm going to shave down to a awful moustache, just like uh, Callum. Callum. Callum Selleck Patterson. It's unbelievable how quickly that man grows hair. He must be like eighty-seven percent testosterone. It's incredible. <laughs> Did you? I mean, like you, you day five, he has a full Selleck. It's a, uh, it's crazy. Yeah. I wonder if he's got some form of like Benjamin Button. He's the oldest looking twenty-five-year-old on on earth. <laughs> it's really staggering. Oh. Good old oh. Callum Patterson starring as Magnum Pie coming to uh, coming to TV screens near you. Yeah, um, we had one last little chance in the game uh, where uh, Izzy Brown put the ball in, and old Bandage Face uh, had a, had a decent effort and another good save from Bilikovsky. And that I absolutely, you know, if we were playing our mirror, that would have gone in. If that was us, mm. that last header from the last free kick mm. that gets a good 
a surprisingly good flicked header towards the goal, that definitely would have gone in if it was the other way around. Uh, so disappointing not to win. As you say, at least we didn't lose. We, we have lost this game many, many, many times uh, under Monk. Yeah. Uh, we will lose this game again under Monk. Uh, but but today we didn't lose, and I think that's. I suppose you got to look at the positive. Although I do think on the balance of play and chances and everything else, you got to look at it a little bit as the one that got away. And if we had those yes. two extra points, we would have been out of the relegation zone today, which would have really put a peak on this. It would have been an amazing week, weirdly positive week that we've had. Yeah, but we can't have we can't have too many nice things, can we? No, it's not allowed. So should we move along to some player ratings, Luke? Mm-hmm. Let's do that. Do you think we should sort of clickbaity, like tee them up in the future? Like Dom on Twitter. We're moving along to the, keep listening for match ratings. There's a couple of eights in there. <laughs> <laughs> I got so irate with Dom House in midweek for giving Julian Burner a six against Bournemouth. I was like, Ludicrous. what eyes, planet eyes are you on? Eyes painted. <laughs> what is what are you huffing at the star offices? Do you, do you, would you like that, though? Is it kind of like... There's <laughs> a four yeah. coming up. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> one player is worse than Joey Pelopessi in Luke's mind. <laughs> Which one could it be? Oh, interestingly. Sorry, just in terms of praising B- Bilikowski, or Bilikowski, however, you, however it's um, pronounced. Uh, he's, he's man in the match on who scored. He got an 8.1. Uh, the, goal, the Millwall goalkeeper, is thirty-three it? years of age. Yeah, I think we've talked. To, I think we've seven. We've, uh, I think we've batted our eyelashes at, at uh, him as a goalkeeper before. I remember him being good in a game we reviewed last last year. One of the one of the previous two times we played Millwall. Yeah, that and I, I seem to about. recall speaking highly of him as well, being like, "Be nice if we had one of those." Hey, eh? yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, I just. Did you see we were linked? Actually, one thing, oh, yeah. one thing that we missed. Did you see that we were linked in the press with Christian Walton? Oh yeah, vaguely I did see that. So would that be for January, presumably? That'd be for January. Yeah. So he's um, Brighton goalkeeper who was loan at Blackburn last year. Right. I'd I'd still. I mean, there's nothing in these two games that has made me think we've solved the goalkeeping problem. That that we have two goalkeepers oh, yeah. that are as good as the shots that are taken at them but it's nice to have a bit of a respite isn't it from dawson oh it was it had to something had to be done definitely was it was getting worse and worse um it's just i'm not it's not like (laughs) tick the box goalkeeping solved because wildsmith's in uh he's um no he's the same sort of caliber of goalkeeper and if and when we have poor defensive displays he will he will make the same mistakes. It's just, it's having a game like that where I, th- I think less so, I think we did have a match with Millwall where we were like throwing everything at them and we just could not score. Today wasn't that, although it possibly was maybe only a couple more chances away from feeling like a, you know, what do we have to do to score type game. Uh, but I, can, but is- I can't remember the last time we came out of a game thinking... Thank goodness for our goalkeeper. If it hadn't have been for the goalkeeper, which Millwall may well think today, you know, eight, seven or eight saves is is uh, is no mean feat. And he made 
a, a decent couple of efforts look very, very standard. I thought Reach's shot down low was was a tough one and could have easily gone in. And I thought Burner's effort late on was uh, was a very decent effort and uh, pro- needed a good save, which he provided. Um, so, yeah, a bit of praise for him on the, on the way past. I just thought it was worth noting that he got an 8.1 from uh, who scored. Um, what about Top 40 Joe? He was all right, wasn't he? Um, yeah, do you remember? Say, no, do you remember no anything? He, target, so, do you remember anything he did or had to do? I remember one bad kick with his left foot, but it didn't cost us. Sure. Should we? Should we positive and give him a seven? I think. Yeah. To, I mean, it was. There's not many negatives about today's performance, so yeah, I think that's fair enough. Seven. Uh, Joost van Aken. JVA was good. I was surprised to see him back, but um, yeah, it's good to. See, it, but it was also good to see him back as well. Um, I kind of forgot about him, which feels harsh considering he's been one of our best defenders. Mm. Um, you know, he had a room to maraud. He, he did pretty well. I think we can give him a seven. I think that's comfortable. Yeah, yeah, that's that seems fair. Dominic Iorfa? Big Dom. Um, big Bad Dom. Probably go over seven as well. I, I thought the, to a man the defense were... But it's, it's weird because I think we're seeing him still doing a job but maybe kind of just hanging back a little bit and not being... He's got to of... be responsible in that position. So when he's the centre of... I actually lo- I actually think, in a weird way, this is the best role for him at the three. Although I, I know what you're saying. We don't get to see him stretching his legs and um, driving us forward in quite the same way. He's got to be responsible. He's got to hold back. But he's undoubtedly the best player in the squad mm. to mop, or mop up. So I, I think it's the role he's best suited to. It's why it annoys me when Lees comes in in that position because I think I think it's a terrible role for Lees. I yeah. don't think he's got the pace and I don't think he's got the strength. So uh-huh. he can't he can't lead and he can't sweep up. It's a it's awful for Lees. He's much better being the right side or the left side of of that three. Um, and I think it suits Iorfa. And I, I think you've got to credit Iorfa a little bit for the fact that we played against Matt Smith and aside from one chance, he had no impact on the game. And I do think in large part that was because Iorfa completely managed him, uh, mm. which we can't often say having come off the pitch against that chap because he's played for worse teams than this Millwall team and had a had a, an oversized impact on the game. Um, but I, I think seven's probably fair because they didn't really stretch us at all today. Uh, so I don't want to go too far in praising a defensive performance that wasn't a defense that wasn't tested, really. Uh, yeah. Berner? I think we can go with us. Let's just go all around sevens for the center backs. Seven, sevens for, for Berner. It's, it's good to see Berner doing, doing some good. It's been a really good week for Berner. I'm really happy to see that. I, I, I thought he was gone. Um, I thought he was gone. I, I wonder um, how much he's helped by the fact that I offers that guy behind him. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really hope for, and that's fantastic to hear. It's fantastic to see from I offer because we need, unfortunately, we need those players to be catalysts to help carry and help improve the games of players who are lesser. Yeah. Yeah, and that's just been the lesson of Sheffield Wednesday. Looking at these players, with there's a lot of players with uh, kind of weird blotted copybooks, or you know, there are holes in their resumes. I should say, 
Yes. So we, think, we need that. So that's that's good to know. I just wonder. I, do, I mean, I'm, it's speculation, but I just wonder whether it gives you that little bit more confidence and freedom knowing that the, the guy behind you is going to be quick enough and strong enough to, to, to mop things up. You know, if you have confidence in that center, that middle guy in the pack, that sort of sweeper cover defender, that's got to help when you're wandering forward. You, you're not thinking, I absolutely mustn't lose the ball. I mean, you don't want to lose the ball anyway, but if you are not confident, you're thinking like, the last thing I can possibly do here is lose the ball. If I lose the ball, we're screwed. It's curtains for us. Whereas if I offer there, you're like, well, I should, I don't want to lose the ball. I shouldn't lose the ball. But if I do, we're pretty well served by what's behind me. That's just <clears throat> got to be a better place to be mentally to yeah. play your football. I think the intense pressure of if I make one slip, we are screwed. Doesn't help anybody <laughs> anywhere, um, and I'm sure that does play a part. Uh, Liam Palmer, who was the right-sided wingback today. Liam Palmer was really good. Um, it's it's oddly sad to to kind of miss him from the centre backs because I've really enjoyed seeing him <laughs> in the centre back role. But I mean, if like today everybody does their job, and if I, I do kind of endorse your you know, your reading that I author is making this alchemy and improving that. I'd, I'd really like to, I think I approve of that and hope it's correct for more in the future. So I'm glad we don't have holes to plug mainly by putting Liam Palmer there. Um, I mean, he's coming to that berth and, and looking at the wing back because we are missing Harris. Yeah. But I mean, Liam Palmer can do a job anywhere. And I think one of the sad things of the season is for whatever reason, Liam Palmer has missed out more often than not. Yeah, you know it's. I I really can't believe what I'm saying about Liam Palmer. He's the last two years. He has come on leaps and bounds in this stage of his career, and you know, in a way, we talked about Liam Palmer's the understated player of the decade, in that he's yeah, been Wednesday yeah. from 2010 until until now. And I hope that contact. I hope that really. I hope we get another two, three more years out of him, mm. as he's kind of approaching his early 30s. I certainly um, feel where we are as a club and where he is as a player at the moment, he's someone I want to see worked in to the eleven more often yes. than not. Yeah, I'd Which, agree that. I, I think there were times I think we were trying to shoehorn him in. Yeah. Um, but which was bad. But I'm I'm wondering about. I'm wondering now, and it's it's probably only coming from hindsight, you know, which is obviously 2020. But maybe he was making those errors to improve his performance within that to the point now he's he's missed a versatility for us he is yeah but i think i'd i think i want to see him like i'd rather have him up front than (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 but like i think i think for me it's like palmer should play right wing back or right sided center back and other players move around like i think i think you need settled things within a side and i think going forward for me i want to see i offer in the middle of that it's i offer or flint in the middle of that three i don't think suspensions and injuries aside i don't want to see anybody else in the middle of that three i don't think anybody else is good enough at it so that's a kind of given that's a first name on team sheet i think i think it should be i offer rather than flint um but of the two you know one of those two in the middle there 
Um, and then I want to see Palmer on one of those right-hand side positions. Mm. I think in the way that Bannon will play in the midfield, regardless of what the midfield looks like, we will make a space for Bannon in it. I think the defence has should have Palmer in it. I think he, we're better for him being there, whether it's mm. him as right-sided centre-back or right wing-back. And that is a huge testament to how much he's come along as a player. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, for me, for my money, I just think he's he's the preferred option in both those spots. And then it's whoever else does the job when he's when he's doing one of the other jobs. Uh, what, what, we what, didn't what, give what, him a rating, did we? No, we have we haven't given him a rating. Um, I think we can give him a seven. Yeah, I don't think he was particularly outstanding today, to be honest. Um, but uh, but, no, I, but I think he more than played his part, and I think everybody sort of played their part. Well, it's, it's difficult, because I, I think looking at, especially looking at those options from a defensive wing-back, um, him and I would say Moses, I would typically look at as defensive players. Mm. So I don't have any great expectations for them to get, to be, to get forward. I think that's sad, because I think... The wings are typically, hopefully, some of our strengths under Gary Monk, if we have the right players there, the right personnel. So it's a weird thing because it's a disappointing game, but I still have to praise the solidity. Yeah. And he had a hand in that, and I think he got forward as well. And, you know, he is pretty athletic. He can can get into bloody places, and he's not too bad on the ball as well. I think his experience with Scotland actually seems to have helped him. I think he's got more comfortable in those forward positions. But I also Mm. think, and this is part of him growing as a player, growing as a kind of professional. This is a, it's a, (laughs) it's a weird way. It's a weird thing, probably more from combat sports, but there it's actually okay to be insecure or uncomfortable. uh, As long as you have the right reactions to those feelings. And I think Palmer is insecure when he gets over the halfway line it's not natural for him he he there's a natural kind of worry to him but i almost feel these deep crosses that he plays it's like he's sort of weapon weaponized that insecurity so it's like do you know what i don't feel that comfortable getting too far out in, over the halfway line i don't I, I worry about getting back i worry about leaving spaces so what i'm gonna do is get really good at crossing from deep so i don't need to commit all the way forward before i play that cross in and he's got he's got good at it uh we didn't see that so much today but we've seen it him from in his center back his right-sided center back sort of outings some of his crossing's been fantastic and that is totally because he doesn't want to go all the way forward and cause himself a headache defensively so he plays the cross from deep almost protectively preemptively but it doesn't harm the team at all and especially when we've got somebody who can win a header up there if Patterson's up there that that sort of delivery is, is sort of bread and drink for him he, he, mm. you know as long as it's a good quality delivery it doesn't really matter where it comes from so yeah I mean in praise of Palmer and his progress but uh today a, se- a seven feels feels like a fair uh a fair effort. Um, let's go through that. The rest of that sort of midfield. So we've got Joey Pelopesi up, up next. Um, I'm going to go with Pelopesi. Um, I'm going to go with a seven today for Joey Pelopesi. Fair dues. I'm going to kind of, I think this is a difficult thing. This, this is almost like, I feel like so many of these ratings, Rich, a, a 6.5s that teeter on sevens. Yeah. I could go either way depending on which way I feel, but I'm going to try and be a bit positive about I thought Pelopessi was good today. I Yeah, I don't know. I didn't think we could ever see... I I like the role he's playing now. I think it suits him. 
Um, yeah. I'm beginning to see attributes that he has as a professional football player. <laughs> because previously I didn't. I was I was like, that was so disappointing last season, at the end of last season, where it was such a torrid, awful campaign. Mm. And it's like, we've extended Pelopassi for another year, because I think everyone just thought, we can get someone better than Pelopassi to do yeah to do anything so yeah if we can kill keep getting some uh <laughs> joey pelopesi milk out of joey pelopesi cow then let's do it barry bannon, thank you barry bannon. um i think i'm gonna just teeter down to a 6.5 for bannon i mean like overall in the middle some great play but i don't think we saw any of that great end result for that killer pass you know, for that beautiful through ball, for that lovely cross, for even a you know a rare shot, which is so rare, um, we maybe missed a little bit of that today. You know, everything thinking, everything else was quite good. I'm going to say yeah, from that. in a couple of games, I was thinking get a couple of times to the moment. I thought last season we t- we talked on the podcast about how the system was seemed seemed to be sort of built around Bannon. So let's get the best out of Bannon. You know, let's drown Bannon in the ball, give him the opportunities, give him the opportunities further forward to, to influence the game, make things happen, um, play his game, and therefore kind of uh, improve the way that the, the team play. And I think we've probably not, we've moved on a bit from that, but not a huge amount. And weirdly, today was another one of these games where it's almost like the opposition were goading Bannon into shooting. Like he had so <laughs> many, well, no, I mean, it's not, it's it's obviously not that, but like the opportunities that came up, Bannon had so many like glimpses of goal from the edge of the box or just a bit further out, and it's almost highlighting his his particular weakness because he will not look. It's always a last resort when he shoots. He won't look up for that chance, uh, and it's it's just interesting to sort of see. I don't know whether it's a kind of whether it is a, an opposition tactic, sort of clever thing of, do you know what? We don't need to worry about him in that position because he's not a threat. So just let him have the ball. A bit like how most teams let centre-backs pass it around at the back because, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Dr Pepper. And the Dr Pepper with Sheffield Wednesday is Barry Bannon on the ball on the edge of the box when you've marked all your men. It's more important to mark Windass, Kachunga, Reach. Mm. And as long as you're doing that, you actually don't need to worry because Barry Bannon and Pelopesi are never going to shoot. And when they do, it's bad. And it, most of our good chances today fell to Pelopesi and some of them fell to Bannon. And the ones that fell to Bannon didn't even feel like chances because he doesn't look up to, to have the chance to score. Um, and there's been another couple of games where the defence have sat all the way deep because of what we've got pace now. We've got wingers that can, well, we've got wingbacks that, can get up and down the pitch and we've got pace up top teams sit a little deeper often against us and that means there's that gap there's that space and Bannon cannot rise to this task uh it's never been him it's never been part of what he's done he's not Frank Lampard frankly he he's bad at shooting and it's just highlighted we I think part of the reason we look so tame and so toothless is we just don't have a goal-scoring threat from midfield. And and Bannon is sort of chief amongst the people that, that's not providing that threat. It's just an interesting thing to sort of note, um, you know, as we as we roll through this season, it's an, it's an interesting development that I've just mm-hmm. kind of 
there's now been three or four games where I felt, wow, if we had if we had someone that had like a, a nice heavy shot on them from 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 distance, we would have had lots and lots of opportunities today. Um Badjo, left wing I really liked Odebajo today. I'm liking him in this wing back berth. I'm gonna give him a seven. He seems to have tapped into that uh Kadeem Harris well of endless mm. energy. Mm-hmm. I just see the disappointing thing with Palmer is that, you know, we don't have that killer end product from these two players. But mm. again, everything outside of that, I can't fault. I can't fault the industry. I can't fault the energy, the pace. He's. It's great to see that we have a player that we can get some usage out of. You know, someone yeah. who we fought previously. I don't really want to see him at the right back. I don't want to see him at any yes. fullback berth. I, I wondered for a second, I think one of the previous podcasts, would I quite enjoy i would i almost enjoy seeing him you know being lifted as part of that back three <clears throat> but then i think i as soon as i felt i was going to utter those words i think he no, please did, no. a, did a doo-doo and let me down <laughs> um so it's it's good to see that we have him left wing back and i mean considering we don't quite know if reaches that type of player we're missing harris right now yeah happy to see Adebayo there. I'd, i would like to see someone God, I'd really like a wing bat. I'd like a lot of things in the January window. <laughs> I think we could do three players. We could probably do another defensive midfielder. We could do with the, the Jakob Murphy replacement, hopefully, and the new goalkeeper. There you go. Yeah. And maybe we could uh, see if the uh, returns, see if we've got the return, the receipt for Marriott to send him back to Derby. <laughs> yeah, hopefully that works both ways. Um Odebacho should be we should uh, give him a shout out as well for one of the most enjoyable moments in the Bournemouth game where he very late on absolutely outpaced the the winger that was running up against him got himself between the winger and the ball and then took took the took the foul very uh, very nicely uh, which was an absolute treat in terms of like winding the clock down in the 88th minute or whatever it was uh, that was a, that was a lovely thing to see um Let's go to Adam Reach. Adam Reach was... What did I think of Adam Reach? I mean, he was good, but I mean, we're kind of lacking that end product again, aren't we? Um, There's a few players that need a goal right now, aren't there? And, and Adam Reach is chief amongst them. He's chief. He's leading that line, isn't he? 6.5, I think. Okay. I thought I, th- I thought probably he was the best of that front three. I'd be tempted for a seven, but... I'm yeah, Okay, I can give him a seven. Let's give him a seven. Okay. I think because that's fair, because I, I see a point, because I think we're going to get on to talking about strikers, right? Mm-hmm. So interestingly, I thought they operated pretty much as a three up top, but uh, who scored has it as a, like a two and then a one of Windass up top on his own? Um, so we'll go. Flash score has three, four, two, one. So Kachunga and Reach behind Windass. That's, yeah, same thing here for, um, yeah, for. Mm. Yeah, uh, which I maybe it kind of was. It was very marginal. I thought Kachunga was was pretty much up front. Uh, let's go. So let's go for uh, go for Kachunga. Let's. I'm gonna give a seven to Kachunga. Kachunga was really good today. I'm really liking him as a player. I'm liking how spry is. I'm liking how energetic he is. Shades of um, shades of a Marcus Tugay as well. I think we kind of talked about yeah. this midweek. Yeah. Um, I'm, I like his industry. I like his pace. He's good. He's an understated player. I'm disappointed he just didn't do better with that chance today. <laughs> I, really, I know, I know. It was so annoying. He should have at least got it on target and he sliced it wide. 
because I, I thought he was trying to put it wide, put put it put it just to the side of the keeper, like curl it round kind of thing. With yeah, the but then he managed to get the complete sort of wrong curve going yeah. the other way on it. Yeah. What well, do you know? I keep getting reminded <sighs> of when we signed him. You said to me, like I I was saying, oh, he weirdly, he gets lots of headers. He doesn't get many goals from distance. And I remember you said you said sort of said to me, you said. Should, is that something that worries you that he doesn't get those goals from distance? I was like, no, it's good that he gets different sort of goals. <laughs> but yeah, he he doesn't look that dangerous in situations where he really should be, and he gets those the ball in those areas quite often yeah. because it's pacey because he's because um, he closes people down well. Mm. Uh, so I I worry how good he's ever going to be in those situations because when you look back, he doesn't score that type of goal that often. He is more of a sort of second striker that gets heads and volleys uh, from good deliveries into the box. He's less of a curl one in from the edge of the box type striker. Uh, but I, I, I like him a lot. I don't know whether it's his endeavour. I don't know. I don't know whether it's because he reminds me of Tudgay and that gives me warm fuzzies. Um, but I like. I, he's another one that I probably want to see on the pitch more often than not. And I don't think it's a coincidence that he's sort of come back into the fold on our two better performances. I think in terms of that leading the line and the the the, the attackers setting the tone for the pressing game, he's absolutely up for that job. And we seem to just do that much, much better when he's playing than when he's not. Um, did you give him a score in the end? Sorry. I don't think we Kajunga. did. Oh, yeah. I gave him a seven, yeah. Seven, sorry. Which is weird because I feel that I kind of want to say he was better than Reach. I don't know. Maybe they're both about the same in a weird way. I can see that. We could anyway. We could drop Reach, but if you want to have that sort of separation, we could drop Reach back. If, if no, I I think I'm going to declare that Kachung. I think Kachunga's my man of the match. Okay. Okay. How, who would you go for? Because it's not going to be any of the the next uh, bunch of people we talk. About. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. I... I think I'd be tempted by I'd be tempted by Reach. It's Reach or Kachunga, definitely. Uh, mm. I'm happy to go with Kachunga. I just thought Reach, when we sort of upped our game, started the second half, I really felt like Reach was the heartbeat of that, and he took a lot of the responsibility on. And I'm sure he was told. I'm sure it was instructions he was following, but it it just felt like he was sort of playing with a determination one that i don't normally associate with adam reach but two that the whole of the rest of the team didn't have in the first half um and i really i responded to that i, re- I really liked that so i think i'm i'm happy to go with kachunga for man of the match but I, I, for me that they're, they're they're sort of jostling for that position those two uh what about windas then trumpy bomb six oh big pause then a six which it's is not, interesting it's not a, because in terms not... of shots on target Probably led the led the pack with that. I'm guessing probably did. three probably shots did, on top. I mean, yeah. But none of them dangerous. None of them testing the goalkeeper. And it always felt like a last resort. He was looking for other options before he took his shot on. I think every time. Uh, he's frustrating. Yep. Yes. Yes, he is. Yes, he is, Rich. He's a perfect replacement at the moment for Forestieri. There's a lot of fizz, but not much bang at the moment apt with the you know still fireworks going off at this point in time he's more of a sparkler than a rocket uh let's go for callum patterson oh no sorry we should go for brown first shouldn't we sorry Isaiah, izzy brown came on first a generous six That's, that is quite a generous six 
didn't really do much, did he? Which is a shame because I just be generous I really... all around here. Um, Callum Patterson. I think so. Yeah, it's another generous six. And what about Jack Marriott? Remember when he did that thing when he came on? Yeah, yeah, I do. Did he touch the ball? I think he did at one point. I think at one point he did touch the ball. Maybe I'm going like to give him a over the ball when they were going to take a free kick and like Port made. I'm going to give him a generous five. Generous five, fair enough. <laughs> oh dear, I would love him to prove us wrong, but I just I'd love someone else to get on the pitch rather than him. Well, that's the main. It's one of the most baffling signings in a long, long time. I just, I just don't see what he brings to us. Yeah, um, and we were so positive and we were so excited about the signing. I wasn't excited. I just. I, think, I mean, the, the season he had in League One was unbelievable. That is a season for the ages. But mm. it was in League One, and it was like five years ago now. He's for me in this sort of sad, sad group of. Uh, well, Steve, Stevie May is one of them. Um, David Graham, if you remember him at all. No. People who have had one good year. And we have been their cash in. <laughs> do you do you want to know who I'd much rather see play up front and come from the bench? <laughs> if I had to regen a certain era of player, it would be Enoch Shawomni. Enoch Shawomni. I want oh, a big, yeah. tall, garbage donkey of a striker. Who <laughs> <laughs> maybe one would somehow ricochet in off his hip at some point. I have more faith in you know sure me scoring for Sheffield Wednesday or doing anything positive than Jack Marriott. Yeah, yeah. God, I hope he turns it around. I really, really hope he does something, does anything. But it's painful watching him, watching him just stumble around. It's just like if you, you know, like a football manager when you sh- like you can look at the position that somebody plays and then see where they rank in their position. And it's like Marriott of all the players we have in that those forward lines he'd be like fourth or fifth on every list out of four or five like oh you want a like a pacey in behind guy yeah he's he can do that but he's like the fourth or best one oh do you want like a fox in the box type yeah he can he can technically yep he's done he can do that but he's back of the queue just everything he's back of the queue for and maybe 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 there's something we're not seeing yet maybe it'll happen but uh, I don't know. Anyway, we should. It's been a positive week. We shouldn't end on mm. such a kind of um, a negative note. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. Net net gain on the week of uh, ten points. Ten points. So huzzah! You're gonna need I'm a bigger boat, aren't we, Rich? What's that? Gonna need a bigger boat. We're gonna need a bigger boat. I think it's probably a good, good as good a point as any to to wave you off into the distance Luke and say cheerio wish you the best for the week ahead you too uh, I mean if it's anything like this one we'll have those other six points given back to us <laughs> <laughs> and we'll get some more wins from not playing football which seems to be the best thing we seem to be doing that's the best really. that's our best form is in the courtroom <laughs> <laughs> well Luke yeah for the week ahead may your best form be in the courtroom and uh for the folks at home, the same wishes. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say cheerio and, uh, you know, wish you well, Luke. Have a good week, everyone.